Hello and welcome Network Insiders. My name is Janine and I'm the new host of Cisco's Insider Series for Networking podcast. I'm looking forward to connecting with all of you network enthusiasts. Today, we're going to discuss the new Catalyst 9000X switching models and what they offer, including the scale, security, and manageability needed to support the demands of hybrid work. Joining me for this conversation are Sean Wargo and Siddharth Krishna. How about each of you introduce yourselves and your role at Cisco, and then give us a fun fact so we can get to know you a little bit better. Sure, I guess I'll start. Um, my name is Sean Wargo. I'm a principal engineer in the technical marketing group of uh, Enterprise Networking, um, working on Catalyst switches and routers. Um, I have lots of fun facts, but uh, I'll try to keep it simple. Um, I've been around for a very long time. I actually joined Cisco in 1999, so you can do some simple math there. Um, I've worked in areas like the TAC, uh, technical assistance. Uh, I've worked inside of engineering uh, before moving on to technical marketing. Um, and so these days I work on all kinds of uh, next generation products. I was working on Cat9K before it was called Cat9K. And um, that's what brings me here today. And I'm Siddharth Krishna. Um, I lead the technical marketing team for the Catalyst switching portfolio as well as programmability and automation for enterprise networks. Um, in the past, I have been a software developer. Um, I have been a technical marketing engineer and a sales engineer. Um, and I've spent about uh, close to 13 years in total with Cisco. Um, happy to be here. That's awesome to hear that you both are such Cisco veterans. I'll, I'll share a fun fact about myself. I'm actually only seven months into my full-time role at Cisco. So complete opposite of that, but looking forward for the rest of, rest of my career. So let's get into the first question. Can you give me some more details about the new Catalyst 9000X models? And what does the X mean in the name? And how are these models different from older versions? Right. So, you know, we've actually been shipping the Catalyst 9000 series, uh, which is actually a family of switches uh, between the access layer and the core. We've been shipping these uh, for several years now, uh, since about 2017. So, uh, you know, the existing series is still ongoing. Uh, it actually covers, you know, the entire scope of enterprise Catalyst switching. But, you know, we wanted to address new markets, new technologies, new capabilities, um, so the X, you know, just means cooler, um, but we joke that uh, it means extending or expanding the current portfolio. So it's not replacing, um, you know, so it, in the old days, you know, if, if a new generation came, you would just kind of be forced to throw away your old switches. It's not like that. Uh, we're actually just extending and expanding uh, the existing portfolio. So they're still a member of the Catalyst 9000 family. Um, but when we talk about, you know, specific things, uh, which we'll talk about more later, things like um, new ASICs, new hardware. So, of course, technology continues to evolve. Um, so these new X-Series switches are introduced uh, to address these new technologies. Yeah, so just to add to what Sean just said, uh, the Catalyst 9000X models enables the next generation networks, um, the network for the hybrid world. If you look at what's happening in the world today, um, the world has become a hybrid place. Um, companies are having their employees coming back to work, but if you look at any meeting, um, it's highly likely that 30 to 40% of the participants are joining over video. 
And there are new applications besides high quality video, such as WebEx hologram, AR, VR, and people are creating metaverse experiences. Not just this, um, organizations are trying to make um, their campuses and buildings smarter and more sustainable. Um, and this requires, um, you know, high density of sensors connecting to the network, uh, you know, high, high, high power cameras um, to be able to do things like density tracking, contact tracing, et cetera, right? So this requires a high density IoT network. Now to make all of this possible, the network needs to provide high bandwidth, higher scale, and an uncompromised application experience. And really the Catalyst 9000X addresses these requirements. Great. So you, you mentioned hybrid work and the new normal of working from just about anywhere. I'd like to dig a little bit deeper into that. Can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by hybrid work as far as the network goes? And also give me some examples about how the Catalyst 9000X switches are being used to enable that hybrid working model. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a shot at that. Um, you know, hybrid work the term can mean a lot of things to different people. Uh, you know, I've actually talked with a lot of customers and partners, and it seems to mean, you know, different things to different people. But, you know, it. I think really the name says it all. It's hybrid work. Um, and in the past, we had uh, concepts like uh, bring your own device and borderless networks. Um, so even prior to the pandemic, you know, there was this concept that I would be connecting on different devices. I might be connected in the office. I might be connected at Starbucks or at home. So it's really an extension of that, but really where, you know, prior to the pandemic, there were maybe 20, 30% of people that were mobile and, and not actually in the office. Now it's kind of the opposite. Um, you know, people are just now starting to return to the office. So it's still 10, 20, maybe even 30%. Um, and again, they're they're kind of moving around. Um, they may spend some days at home, some days in the office. Um, they're you know in their car uh, on a on a WebEx call or something like this. Um, so it's really being able to provide you know the uh, flexibility and then of course uh, security that goes with that, right? How do I give that that common experience no matter which place that I'm in? Um, you know, and when you get into the specific technical details, right, that's a that's a nice concept, uh, you know, but how does that actually translate to what the uh, wireless uh, access and and switching requires? So um, particularly, you know, talking about the office itself um, and, and traditionally when we talk about uh, Catalyst, we're talking about the office, right? Um, one, one other point that I'll add from before um, is also branch offices, right? So Increasingly, um, some companies are, you know, they're like leasing buildings, they're like flexible workspaces, uh, remote offices, these kind of things. Um, but the, the reason I brought this up was the, you know, the concept of like a building, right? So I actually have to go to a building, you know, be a flexible workspace, but I've got to, you know, sit at a desk or, or in a common area, conference room, uh, and these types of things. So now, you know, for for health reasons, but also for things like, um, you know, energy conservation and sustainability, you know, I want to have a sense of where the employees are actually sitting. So things like location services, um, you know, being able to track energy usage um, and, and even um, like mobility services, right? So being able to track, um, you know, which conference room they're in, uh, a lot of times, there'll be like a, a common shared space. 
um, where it used to be that employees would be kind of spread out all over the building, uh, different floors, and the load on each individual access point or, or each access switch would be less. Now they tend to be concentrated uh, in a common area, like this this shared area. So the the amount of wireless bandwidth and the amount of uh, clients is actually much higher. So, um, so again, to like translate that into uh, more technical terms uh, for the access layer switch, the the Catalyst nine thousand ninety three hundred X and ninety four hundred X access switches. Um, you know, when we talk about more. Uh, wireless bandwidth, uh, particularly with this Wi-Fi 6E, um, that access point needs a bigger link back to the access switch. He's carrying all this new bandwidth, so of course the, the so-called uplink from that access point needs to be much higher. So one of the key things that the uh, access layer switches are providing are these uh, 10 gigabit copper interfaces. Um, so we, we use the term multi-gig ethernet. We've actually had multi-gig for some time. Um, and this means something greater than one gig, so 2.5 gig, 5 gig, all the way to 10 gig. Uh, and we've actually had this for some time. Uh, but what's new with the 9300X and 9400X is the number of them. So they're able to actually provide 48 ports, for 480 gigabits um, of this multi-gig Ethernet to the uh, to the access. And of course, as I'm, you know, adding all this great downlink bandwidth, then I need to somehow get this to the rest of the network. So I also need to increase the uplink bandwidth. So we're also introducing things like uh, 25 gig uh, fiber and 100 gig fiber uplinks on the 9300X and 9400X, which is a, a huge boost um, for that access layer switch. Uh, the other piece I mentioned was like the density of the clients, right? If everyone's kind of coming to the same conference room, um, not only are they getting more bandwidth, but there's more people just in one location. So the uh, these new access switches um, also, you know, for the bandwidth um, have a brand new UADP3 ASIC, uh, which has much higher MAC addresses and uh, IP route scale. So, you know, that gives you a sense of kind of like what is, is new in the access, um, but I don't want to forget about the core, right? Um, the core is what connects everything together. So uh, everything I just said, still true you know that access layer needs to now connect back to some core so the density of these links same same kind of story but now it's this uh, 25 gig fiber 100 gig fiber um really like long distance uh, capabilities uh you know bi-directional and long range optics um and then one of the really great things we've introduced on uh the new 9500x and 9600x are 400 gig uplinks um, so as I'm bringing all of this 25 gig and 100 gig uh, downlinks from the access, now I want to connect to, you know, the service provider, data center, uh, these kind of areas uh, with 400 gig interfaces. Um, so just like I said, you know, a, a newer uh, UADP ASIC on 9300X and 9400X, uh, what we've introduced on 9500X and 9600X is a new uh, ASIC called uh, the Q200, which is a part of the Silicon One ASIC family. Uh, and it actually provides things like 2 million IPv4 routes and uh, eight gig of buffers, 256,000 MAC addresses. Uh, so it really um, you know, expands and extends uh, the core uh, to take care of all these new uh, hybrid capabilities. Anything you wanna add, Sid? 
Yeah, sure, Sean. So what you spoke about was about you know the speeds and the throughput and the scale that we're that 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 we're getting in with these platforms. What I want to focus is on the features and flexibility, right? Because that is as important and is enabling uh, newer use cases. Um, so um, the 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 nine thousand X series is additionally providing tools for the hybrid workspace. We just spoke about what that means, but let's look into each of these a little bit more in details. So first off, uh, the 9300X is capable of delivering 100 gig hardware-based IPsec, which is layer three encryption. Uh, now this enables newer use cases. So now you could have a site to site connection, or you could connect from site to cloud um, in an automated way, and I'm going to talk about that automation part, but essentially creating those secure links um, in a hybrid world. Uh, since people are working at a lot of different distributed spaces now, you can have branches um, that connect to uh, the headquarters, the data centers, the colos. Uh, you can have branches connect to you know applications on the cloud or uh, SIG functionality such as Umbrella, and all of this in a very secure way um, done in the hardware, right? So there's no compromise in terms of the performance. Um, number two is the density that these platforms, these access platforms bring in for 90 watt power over ethernet or what we call as UPoE plus. Um, we spoke about making buildings smarter, uh, right? And that basically means adding more sensors, more LED light arrays, um, you know, more power cameras, um, uh, to provide that extra intelligence to do things like people counting, uh, et cetera, right? And these switches, um, you know, both on, both on the fixed and the modular access offerings provide you that dense environment to actually make that possible in terms of providing the amount of power over ethernet to light up, uh, to provide power to all of these different kinds of sensors and other things that we spoke about. Um, this is, in fact, you know, um, um, an, an, an industry-leading functionality that we have in terms of the density, and um, you know, these these switches provide in one stack or one switch up to 388, 384 ports of 90 watt um, uh, PoE. Now, moving forward, uh, we've also done enhancements on um, application hosting, right? So. Um, if you're aware today, we we can host applications at the access. Um, you know there is a certain bandwidth. Uh, there's a certain interface that is um, made possible for that data plane connectivity to the application connectivity. What we've done is we have um, added to that significantly, right? So now from one gig interface, we are going up to um, two 10 gig interfaces, right? Uh, to make that possible. But what that basically means is that you could have more powerful applications. Uh, one, um, you have additional resources to power those applications, um, as well as you have, you can now host multiple applications, um, you know, uh, uh, in the same access layer. So for example, you can do a DNA spaces IoT gateway, as well as a thousand eyes agent running together on the same access switch. Um, so that gives you a lot of power in terms of the intelligence that you can now bring in and the access layer. Um, on the core side of things, we are introducing WAN MaxSec, uh, which basically allows um, for advanced layer two encryption um, for point-to-point -point and point-to-multipoint use cases over the WAN. Um, 
Adding to this on the security side, you know, these switches do um, IBNS, um, you know, with .1x, WebAuth, MAP, et cetera. Uh, we are continuing to lead uh, with SDA, SDA providing micro and macro segmentation, as well as, um, you know, uh, they enable uh, group-based policy access, um, endpoint analytics, and the latest in that area, which is uh, trust analytics, where you could now uh, monitor a trust um, as well as assign a trust to endpoints uh, and keep uh, monitoring them um, in terms of their behavioral change. So if you find an endpoint, you know, uh, carrying out malicious activity, you could reduce the trust score and take action upon it in an automated way. Now, how is all of this possible? Uh, all of this visi visibility made possible? Um, again, these switches are uh, provide hardware-based deep packet inspection with flexible NetFlow and NBAR, enabling that application visibility and assurance, as well as insights, uh, you know, with SDAVC and uh, the endpoint analytics and trust analytics that I just spoke about. Great. Thank you both for going into that. It's It's awesome to hear about the different capabilities and features of all these specific models. And since there's so many options, how do you know which model from the Catalyst 9000X switching family is right for you? And also to expand on that question a little bit, you, you mentioned core and access, and I see that switches are also categorized as core access and fixed and modular. Um, could you explain some of the differences there? Yeah, so, um, you know, when we talk about uh, the concept of, of access and the concept of core, there there's specific uh, design principles um, and, and have been over time. Uh, so those remain true um, regardless of which platform you're deciding on. Um, so, you know, I think it's good to kind of quickly revisit what are those basic design principles. Um, whenever I'm talking about this, I usually take it back to geography. Right, the the physical design construction of the building. Uh, I mentioned this earlier. Um, if you think about, um, you know, where humans go to operate, and, and in, in fact, it's actually good to revisit the word campus. Um, campus is, you know, a, a collection of buildings where humans go and work, right, and and the devices they use. Uh, and if you compare that with things like a data center or service provider. Where everything is really just in a gigantic uh, rack room, right? Everything's very close, very clean, um, but these buildings that that humans operate in are are not like that at all. Um, you know, there's there's multiple floors, there's multiple buildings. Um, you know, some floors are very large, some floors are small, uh, and you know the way uh, cabling is run. So the other critical aspect here is is the cabling itself. Um, so when buildings, uh, physical buildings are being constructed, uh, they'll usually put some kind of conduits and, um, you know, run cable through the walls, uh, up through the ceilings, uh, these kind of things. And then there'll be uh, specific rooms uh, throughout the building, um, usually at least one on each floor, uh, sometimes called a wiring closet uh, and these types of things. And then uh, you know, when, you know, you're walking around the building, you look up, you see like a, an access point connected in the ceiling. You might see a little box there with a light on it, something like that. Uh, in fact, behind that, there is a copper cable running through the ceiling, through the wall, and, you know, off to some wiring closet somewhere. Um, and similarly, like if anyone is plugged into one of these little uh, RJ45 jacks, um, you know, you just see the jack 
in the wall, but there's a whole set of cables there. Um, and all these go back to that access switch. This is the point. So, you know, one is uh, these cables have been in the wall for a very long time. Who knows when the building was uh, constructed? So the quality of that cable, right, and the distance of that cable becomes very important. Uh, so this is where things like multi-gigabit Ethernet are critical, right? Um, I mentioned this earlier, you know, multi-gig just means more than one gig. But it used to be that uh, I could never get past one gigabit Ethernet. So now using the exact same cable that you used to have uh, only up to one gig, I can actually get these these higher speeds. Um, and, and again, we've actually had multi-gigabit for a while, but, you know, enabling that across all 48 ports is a, a critical, um, you know, design option now for uh, anyone looking to to introduce Wi-Fi 6E and, and these other uh, hybrid work trends. Um, and then I also mentioned how, you know, that's that's cool, but, uh, you know, I've got these access switches now spread across different floors. Maybe there's a group of buildings. I need to somehow aggregate all those access switches back to the same place. Um, so it's actually the same kind of story that, you know, some time ago, we ran some, you know, fiber cables from these access layer uh, wiring closets to some centralized, you know, core room. Um, you'll hear terms like uh, MDF or IDF, but it just means a room where the core switches are located. And, it, and again, it's the quality of the cable and the distance of the cable. Um, so offering, you know, not only like one gigabit ethernet, uh, we've had 10 gigabit ethernet. Now we're introducing 25 gigabit ethernet using the same type of cabling. Um, and then, you know, depending on uh, how far you wanna go, even introducing uh, 100 gigabit ethernet, right? So these are critical things. And then and then the, the last point, uh, which is what we touched before, um, really deciding, you know, how many people are going to connect and you know what does that translate to for the the scale of the switch so as long as you keep all those ideas in your mind you know uh what kind of speeds does my access need how does that access connect back to the core and then how many people are connected uh that will tell you which platform to choose anything to add uh sid yeah i'm going to talk about um, the second part of the question right which is what is the difference between uh, fixed and modular so if i have to you know simplify the answer um, it really depends on what the customers needs are what you want to deploy or deploy in your network right um, and this is applicable both to the access layer as well as the core layer that sean just spoke about uh, so let's look at how, right? I probably talk about modular first and then go on to the fixed. So modular is really about investment for the longer term, right? A customer wants to invest now, but over time wants to grow in terms of the number of ports, in terms of the types of ports, um, in terms of the speeds and you know power over Ethernet capabilities uh, of those ports. So um, you basically you know, invest in a chassis and you keep building, um, you know, with respect to the line cards that you require over time based on your user growth um, and your data growth. Um, you need to look at modular if you are very concerned about, uh, you know, downtime. So if you want zero downtime, 
Um, Modular provides you that capability with dual supervisors, dual brains running in the system. If one, uh, one brain gets affected, you still have literally no operational impact on the user ports, right? Um, with, uh, you know, things like SSO and NSF. Um, now, another point to take into consideration is hitless upgrades. Uh, the modular offerings provide something that we call as ISSU, in-service software upgrades. Uh, and this basically allows you to upgrade the switch or a pair of switches, a stack-wise pair of switches, um, uh, without any disruption uh, to the service, right? So that's an important aspect to keep in mind. Uh, and overall, um, it's really maximum investment protection, right? Which basically means that if you have invested today in a chassis and a set of line cards, uh, you do not have to worry about rip and replacing them. Um, you can change your supervisors or the brains over time to bring in more capabilities and um, even enhance the uh, bandwidth and throughput of your deployment. Um, now let's shift focus to fixed and see um, you know what that brings in. Um, so first of all, space, right? You do not need to reserve extra space uh, for fixed. You use the space that you require today and then based on your expansion plans, keep adding uh, switches in a stack. So that's definitely possible. Uh, but in on on the fixed side, you need to be uh, you need to be uh, sure of the system capabilities, which means uh, you know the bandwidth and the scale that you're looking for. Because once you have purchased or decided or deployed a, a particular switch on the fixed side, that will not uh, change uh, on its own over time. Um, the fixed also provides you advanced capabilities with Stackwise 480, which is backstacking, as well as uh, what we have introduced, um, um, which is called XFSU or um, in enhanced fast software upgrade that allows you to do software upgrades with a downtime of less than 30 seconds. On the core side, uh, we have Stackwise Virtual and we continue uh, to, to um, you know, support that. Um, now, the Catalyst 9000X platforms, the newer models, are capable of delivering the same amount of resiliency, NHA, and high availability features, right? We spoke about SSO, NSF, XFSU, uh, hot cold patching, stack-wise virtual, et cetera. So all of these are going to be supported, uh, and there will be no compromise on the resiliency that uh, these Cisco switches offer. Thank you both for explaining those differences. That was really informative. Now. What happens if you're using a different switch, maybe an older Catalyst model? What's the process for upgrading? And can you use older switches with these new models? Yeah, so uh, there's actually two parts to that question. Um, you know, one is the uh, prior generation, you know, prior series of Catalyst switches. Um, and then, like we mentioned in the beginning, um, you know, the current generation of Catalyst 9000 series so you know i'll try to tackle the um prior generation of catalyst switches uh, so in the old days we had um you know catalyst uh 2000 uh, we had the catalyst 3000 4000 uh, we even had the catalyst 6000 um and uh actually a little secret there uh, when you're looking at the catalyst 9000 series we actually named uh the, the number of the family 
to correspond with uh, the prior generation. So 9,200 for CAT 2K, 9,300 for CAT 3K, and um, you know 9,400 for CAT 4, uh, 4K. So, um, you know, those built up at a time, uh, you know, and this it's, you know, going back decades um, for different reasons, different needs, uh, you know, they were very, very different from one another. Um, in many cases, they were actually like a different operating system or, you know, they were similar, but they would have different configurations, um, these types of things. Um, and they were very purpose built. Uh, so one of the critical things we did when building Catalyst 9000 series is we wanted to you know, make that common across them. We wanted to have, you know, a common set of ASICs and a common operating system. Um, this is one of the, the critical, you know, lessons learned from uh, the prior generation of Catalyst switches. Um, and then incorporate, you know, all of the uh, additional technologies that that each of these kind of exemplifies. So that's where the, the numbering of each one kind of comes in. And some of the things that we've talked about earlier, um, you know, the access layer is built for a particular reason. Um, so it does tend to have, you know, uh, more uh, copper, uh, RJ45 based, um, and, you know, kind of a, a lower medium scale, depending on how the access layer is built. Uh, and then conversely, the, the core tends to be fiber based uh, and have a, a higher scale, depending on the, on the size of the, the core. Um, and of course, you know, time has continued on. So also, uh, you know, additional technologies have evolved. Um, things like um, VXLAN, SD Access, EVPN. Um, you know, Sid was talking about things like uh, IPsec and WAN MaxSec. So having, you know, hardware-based, uh, even, even these technologies, um, you know, may exist in software. One of the critical things for Catalyst uh, is implementing these things into the hardware itself. So that's one of the the key areas that um, Catalyst 9000, you know, uh, is optimized to upgrade from the prior generation. Um, and, you know, I, I've mentioned many times the the bandwidth and the scale. Uh, when, whenever we say scale, we mean things like the MAC addresses that uh, for the clients, the IP routes, multicast, uh, quality of service, access list, uh, these things. So the uh, UEDP ASICs that we've introduced on the 9300X and 9400X uh, are, you know, much, much higher and, and optimized for this modern uh, environment. Um, and similarly, the Silicon One Q200 ASICs we've introduced on 9500X and 9600X are uh, you know increased in in bandwidth and increased in scale to accommodate uh, the the modern core. So you know everyone can be confident that you know we we've understood uh, how the switches in the past were built and incorporated that into our latest generation of switches. Anything you want to add, Sid? Yeah, I want to talk about the new models working with the old models or or, or vice versa part of it. Um, so. Um, again, simple answer, yes. Um, you know, the new models, the Catalyst 9000X models are built to provide maximum investment protection and um, work with your current installations. Uh, one thing to remember, and maybe a good time to reiterate it, is that the, these new models are not replacing the current generations, right? This is an expansion to the already existing Catalyst 9000X 
uh, Catalyst 9000 family. And, you know, it's just important to keep that in mind. Now, how do we do uh, this interop uh, or how do we do uh, make these models work with each other? Um, it's slightly different for, uh, you know, the the access versus, uh, sorry, the, the fixed versus the modular. Um, if you look at the fixed, um, what we provide on the 9300X is mixed stacking, right? So these switches do support mixed stacking, which means that the newer 9300X models stack with uh, the existing 93, uh, 9300 models. Uh, you do not need to replace the current installation and, re and, and put the newer models, right? So you have your current installation, it's good enough for your network, you want extra capabilities, you know, more speed speeds and enable those use cases that we spoke about, add additional 9300 model, 9300X models on the, on the existing stack, right? What this also allows you to do is it allows you to have a collapsed access distribution architectures where you have the ability to mix copper and fiber switches or copper and fiber ports. Uh, which is sometimes, uh, you know, a good flexibility that customers are looking for based on the size of their deployment. Um, and to add to this, what this again enables a customer to do is, you know, right size your 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 access based on your current needs and um, uh, what you foresee in the short term uh, in the future. Now. Um, there are other ways to do this in modular. Uh, like I said, you do not need to replace your chassis. You continue to use your existing chassis. You continue to use your ex existing light cards. Um, upgrading the line, uh, the supervisors to the new generation supervisors allows, uh, you know, upgraded or enhanced system capacity, um, enhanced per slot throughput. Uh, system scale, system buffers, because remember, all of this is in a centralized architecture and is really driven by the supervisor capabilities, right? Uh, so if you are using the 9400X supervisor, you actually see a, a, a bandwidth boost on your existing line cards, and that bandwidth boost is up to three times of the um, and the, the you know, overall per slot bandwidth that the current line cards are providing. Um, just by touching or, uh, you know, upgrading the, replacing the 9400X supervisor. Um, on the 9600X, similar concept, you know, uh, all the generation one line cards, um, um, uh, you know, are supported uh, uh, for, uh, with the newer supervisors, but um, really the new supervisors un un uh, uncovers the full bandwidth potential of say the you know 100 gig line card or the 25 slash 50 gig line card and removes all oversubscription um, uh, from those completely. So you know it is inter it is interoperable uh, and it's not just interoperable, it gives you that enhanced uh, functionality um, you know throughputs and capabilities. Now, this is speed speeds. Um, besides this, and Sean had already spoken about this, uh, you also get um, an uplift, um, you know, in terms of your scale. So max, uh, routes, ACL, um, you know, buffers, all of those things also get an uplift um, uh, when you are moving from um, the current generation of supervisors to the new generation of supervisors. Awesome. I just have one more question for you guys. When and how can our listeners order these new switches? Well, the good news is um, across the in the new uh, Catalyst 9000 X series um, that we have models that are shipping today. Um, and then, of course, you know, uh, we're going to continue to introduce uh, additional hardware models. So 
Uh, some will be shipping later. Um, and so, you know, I'll just kind of quickly run down the list. Um, on the 9300X, so fixed access side, uh, we have a 48HX, 9300X, 48HX. Um, and we also have a TX, so that's a, a UPOE version and a non-POE version. Um, and by the way, we actually have a fiber version, um, the 12Y and 24Y, which are already shipping, have been shipping for a while. Uh, so with that, you've got, you know, uh, copper and fiber options, 9300X shipping today. Uh, on 9400X, the modular access, uh, we've introduced a brand new supervisor. Um, Sid talked about this a bit earlier. Uh, so the 9400X SOUP2 or SOUP2XL, um, and this is really with the existing 9400 line cards. Um, so uh, one of the things that will be shipping later are a new line cards for 9400X, um, a similar 48HX and 48XS. Um, so a 48 port copper and a 48 port uh, fiber model. On 9500X, um, today there's just one key model, uh, 9500X 28C8D, so that's 28 ports of 100 gig and eight ports of 400 gig. Um, really designed for um, you know the core edge, uh, co-location facilities, these types of things. Uh, and then finally, the 9600X uh, modular. So same kind of deal. Uh, we're introducing a new supervisor, uh, 9600X SOUP2. Uh, and we're also introducing a new uh, second generation line card, uh, which is a 40YL4CD. Uh, that's a lot of letters, but it stands for 48 ports of uh, 25 gig or 50 gig SFP and four ports of 100 gig or 400 gig QSFP. So uh, again, really expanding both the access layer and the core, and you have models available that you can buy today. Um, I mentioned the uh, new modules for the 9400 coming. Uh, they'll come in May, so this 48-port uh, copper, 48-port fiber. And there'll be a few more uh, 9300 models as well, which is like a 48HXN. Um, how this is different than the 48HX that I mentioned earlier, um, it's a, a cheaper, but particularly the amount of bandwidth is a tiny bit less. So it's uh, 36 ports of one gig uh, with an additional 12 ports of uh, M gig. Uh, and then there'll be a corresponding 24 port uh, HX, right? So it's really just to give additional uh, lower options in this 9300X family. Um, so all these models are available in the Cisco Commerce Workspace, uh, otherwise known as CCW. Uh, so go ahead and go out there and look at them. And then once the new models become available, uh, they'll also be placed in CCW. Thank you so much, Sean and Sid, for coming on the show. And thanks for listening, Insiders. I hope this discussion got you excited about the new Catalyst 9000X models and how they can help your network meet the requirements of hybrid work. If you want to learn more about the Catalyst 9000 switching family, join us on March 23rd for a webinar, or if you're listening after that, you can watch it on demand. For a link to register to the webinar and for more resources, check out the description below.